He is risen from the dead. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Amen. Amen. Good to have all of you here at the 9 o'clock. We had a great service last night. Had over 400 people show up on a Saturday night. It was great. God moved. But let me tell you something. When you come to Christianity, as it is stated, you encounter two miracles. You've got to accept two miracles. An immaculate conception and a supernatural resurrection. Jesus was conceived not by a man, but by the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary. And then he rose again from the dead. That's two miracles. So his life is sandwiched in between two miracles. Now today, of course, I'm not going to talk about the Immaculate Conception. That's Christmas. But I'm going to talk about the resurrection. Somebody named Jesus got up from the dead. He got up from the dead. And that's, a, that's an incredible statement to make. It's either true or it's lunacy. So I want to read to you the story here. Uh, uh, Paul, uh, there in the Corinthian church, some of the Corinthian, I think, church members, Christians, I don't know who they were, they began to question the whole notion of a resurrection. Can, can, it, can there really be a resurrection? Do people really get up from the dead? Can somebody really come back to life long after they have died? Is that real? So they began to doubt it. And there was a group of people in Jesus' day called the Sadducees who were Sadducees. Because they did not believe in resurrection. They didn't believe in resurrection. They didn't believe there was life after death. So Paul is answering them. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read it. Paul begins to reason with them and he says, now look, if Christ has preached that he's been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? How are you saying this? What's up with you? Verse 13, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, now look at the things he, he names, how grim it would be if Christ was not risen. He says, if Christ is not risen, our preaching is empty. And your faith is empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. That was the message of the early church, the resurrection of Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead don't rise. For if the dead don't rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, guess what? Your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep, that means died, believing in Jesus, have perished. There's no life after death for them. If he hadn't risen from the dead, they, back to the dust they go. It's over. There's no resurrection. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable because we're living for a lie. That's what he's saying. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you today for your blessing on the word of God. Bless it. Bring the resurrection reality home to us today. And I pray that, Lord, people who are here and watching by streaming video right now, that some of them will be raised from the spiritual dead, will find Jesus, be born again today, and come to know you as their Savior. Thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. 
Well, all over the world, Easter weekend is being celebrated. The life of really an itinerant preacher, teacher, miracle worker named Jesus, who traveled around a very restricted um, landmass. He didn't travel very far, just a few square miles is where his ministry was located. He never wrote a book. He only made it to 33 years old. At 33 years of age, he was arrested, falsely tried, sent to die by crucifixion, which in that time was the most cruel form of execution known to man. It was torturous. He was buried in a rich man's tomb, and on the third day, the Bible says, he was miraculously raised from the dead. That's the claim of the Bible, that Jesus was dead and got up from the dead, that he was miraculously raised from the dead. What do you do with that? If you're out there and you're not a Christian, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? The Bible says a man died and three days later got up again, came back to life, rose from the dead. Now, a lot of people scoff at the idea of a resurrection. There can't be a resurrection. Surely that's allegorical or metaphorical. It's not really talking about something that actually happened. it's It's just making a point. He didn't really get up from the dead. And, and that's, that's their, their argument. It's impossible. When you die, you're dead. You can't come back, especially days later. Every once in a while, we hear of a medical miracle. Somebody dies and machines bring them back or pumping their heart brings them back. But this is not the case because Jesus had been dead three days and nights. And he came back to life. That's the claim of the Bible. You know, the Bible, when I began looking at it, it occurred to me, I've never thought of this, never counted it, but there's nine miraculous resurrections recorded in the Bible, nine, three in the Old Testament, six in the New Testament. Jesus raised three people from the dead in his lifetime. Paul raised one from the dead. Peter raised one from the dead. And then, of course, Jesus himself rose from the dead. That's six, six resurrections. So when you come to the Bible, you're dealing with a book that confronts us with the the possibility and the reality of being raised from the dead. The Bible says people are raised from the dead, brought back to life, not by medical means, and long after they had died, brought back to life. Now, in our text, Paul is saying, let me show you how important the resurrection is to Christianity, because without the resurrection, you have no Christianity. Without the resurrection, Christianity would have been gone a long time ago. Christianity would have never lifted off the ground without the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So he throws out some hypotheticals, and he says, let me tell you what it would really be like if Jesus had not risen from the dead. He said, first, our preaching would be empty. It would be empty, empty of power, empty of life, empty of meaning, empty of relevance. It would be empty. He says, if Christ is not risen, our preaching, Pastor Jeff's preaching, would be empty. If I learned that Jesus had not really risen from the dead, that's never going to happen. But if I did, I'd never preach again. Because I preach because he rose from the dead. I have been raised from the spiritual dead. And because he rose from the dead and went to glory, I too am going to go to glory when he returns. And so the whole crux and core of Christianity is resurrection. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, he's, he, then our preaching is completely empty. And that means empty-handed. 
So if I gave you a gospel with no resurrection, I'm empty-handed. I'm giving you an empty-handed religion. Nothing in my hands I bring. Nothing in my hands I have. I'm giving you nothing. If he did not rise from the dead, he's no better than any other person, you know, inspirational personality that speckles the pages of history. He's just another one. Nothing unique. What makes Jesus unique is the immaculate conception and the miraculous resurrection from the dead. That makes him totally unique. So if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then, then our preaching is, and our message and the gospel is empty. It's empty. It's hollow. There's nothing there. And Paul says, not only that, not only is the message empty, but your faith is empty. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, your faith is empty. It has no basis, no truth, no power. It's an empty faith. Because the gospel has been gutted of its meaning if Jesus did not rise from the dead. What good is putting your faith in a bridge that cannot support you when you cross it? What good is it to put your faith in something that brings you no true solution to the problems of life? What what good is a faith where the central claim never really happened? See, here's what Jesus said. I will be delivered to the Gentiles. He told his disciples this as they headed to Jerusalem and he's about to be confronted by the Gentiles and crucified. He said, I'm gonna be delivered to the Gentiles. I will be mocked, I'll be insulted, I will be spit upon in. Amazing, he knew what was coming down. He knew what was gonna happen before it did. When they take me and and, and they begin to try me and and they persecute me and they've got me in their hands, They're going to mock me. They're going to insult me. I see them. I know they're going to spit upon me. They will scourge me. That means beat me with a whip. And they will, now watch this, kill me. Kill me. They will kill me. But watch the next phrase. But the third day, I will, I will rise again. The third day, I will rise again. He didn't say I might. He didn't say I'm hoping to. He didn't say there's a good chance. He said on the third day, I will rise again. Now he's either completely insane right there or he is who he said he was. And he is the very son of the living God, all God, all man, all man, all God, because a normal person does not get up after the third day of death unless God's involved. So if he didn't come back to life on the third day, he was a fraud. And so my faith is empty. It's based on a false promise. And not only is it empty, and not only is the message empty, but he said my faith is futile. Now the words empty and futile are two different words. My faith is empty, meaning there's nothing there. But not only that, my faith being futile means it's not getting me anywhere. There's no payback. It's not changing me. It's not really making a difference in my life. It's futile. You know, we talk, we use the phrase, uh, it was just an exercise in futility, meaning you tried to do something, but it didn't happen. It didn't work. It was an exercise in futility. You couldn't bring it off. And the idea is a faith without the resurrection is an exercise in futility. You're not getting anywhere with it. It doesn't take you anywhere. It doesn't do anything for you. It's a waste of your time. We all seen the hamster on the hamster's wheel and he's running with all of his little might. It just, it's sad to watch because he's running with all of his little might, but he's not getting anywhere. 
He's just going round and round in circles. It's like taking a car into a cul-de-sac and just going around in circles. You get nowhere. You can go around it all day long, but you're not getting anywhere. And a faith without the resurrection of Jesus Christ gets you nowhere. It's not getting you anywhere. It's futile. It's futile. Without the resurrection, Christianity is completely futile because Jesus rising from the dead gives me the power to change, his power changes me, and it empowers me to overcome sin in my life and live the life that I ought to live before God. The Christianity is a faith with power, amen? When Jesus died from the, rose from the dead, it was the power, the resurrection power of God, and here's one of the secrets of Christianity. The resurrection power of God that, that brought Jesus up from the dead also lives in you lives in you. Paul said, oh, I want to have the same power in my life that raised Jesus from the dead. And the fact is we do. The moment you're saved, that power comes into your heart, comes into your life. He never called us to live Christianity by ourselves in our own strength. No, he says, I've called you to live according to the teachings of my son, and I'm going to empower you to overcome sin, defeat the devil, stand tall, be a victor, be a conqueror. And I'm going to give you the same power that raised him from the dead is going to live in your heart. You are changed not by rehabilitation, not by a New Year's resolution, not by the strength of your own will, but you are changed by the power of God through Jesus Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. The old has passed away and all has become new. He changes you from the inside out. Salvation is an inside job. Amen. So if Jesus is not risen from the dead, catch this now, our preaching is empty, our faith is empty, and our faith is futile. But here comes the worst one. Paul says, if he's not risen from the dead, you're still in your sins. Because you see, Jesus, if he was who he said he was, that his blood shed on the cross is the only blood that can wash our sins away. The life is in the blood. The life is in the blood. And Jesus dying on the cross, when his blood was shed, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then it's that blood that washes your sins away. And, and we know that he was who he said he was by the resurrection from the dead. But see, if he's not risen, then there's no cleansing blood and we're still in our sins and it's still hopeless and we're still going to hell. We're still lost forever. But Paul does not leave us with a bunch of hypotheticals. He, he ends this, this kind of grim look at what it would be without the resurrection and he says, but now, everybody say with me, but now. He says, let me encourage you, but now Christ is risen. I want everybody to read it with me. Christ is risen from the dead. Can we do it one more time? But now Christ is risen from the dead. Give him praise today. Come on. Yes. Christ is risen from the dead. And that means he was who he said he was. The resurrection validated all of his words, who he claimed to be, all of his miracles. He said, I am the son of God. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That's Jesus talking. 
that whoever puts their faith in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And when he rose from the dead, it validated John 3.16. A number of years ago, I took a trip to the Holy Land. And it was very, very moving. And our group kind of wound down the, the little pathway where the tomb of Jesus is. And everybody got to look in there. But I was in the back of the line. And when the group moved on, I hung back. And you know what I did? I stooped down and I went in. You said, Jeff, you shouldn't have done that. I know. It kind of broke from the group. But I wanted to go in. And I, and I, I slipped in there. And, and I sat down in, in the tomb. Right over here was where his body had laid and where he had gotten up. And then I'm looking out at what he walked out to. And, you know, it was so quiet in there. But that tomb began to talk. As a matter of fact, I've called this message today the talking tomb. Now, I didn't hear a voice, but it began to talk to me. It suggested things to me. It brought realities to me. It brought realizations to me. I just began to, to think about what that empty tomb really means to me. You know, you can talk about historical Christianity all day long, but let me tell you what the tomb meant to me, sitting in that tomb with no one around in the quiet solitude of that place. Let me tell you what it began to mean to me, because it, what it meant to me, it means also to you. Are you ready? First, sitting there, I realized because he lives, hope is alive. I love hope. I hate hopelessness, but I love hope. Hope means you wake up in the morning and you say, I have a confident expectation that something good is coming my way. I am hopeful about life. I don't wake up hopeless and say, oh, no, another day. Who knows what terrible thing's going to happen to me? No, when you wake up with hope, you wake up believing that because he lives, good things are coming your way, blessing is coming your way, salvation is coming your way, and one day you're going to go where he is. And that's hope. Amen? Can everybody say hope? Hope. I love hope. You can't live without hope. Hope is the oxygen of the soul. It said that my circumstances, my bank account, my health challenges, personal failures can't keep me down because the worst of circumstances couldn't keep him down. Amen? I mean, how bad can it get? You've got the whole Roman army. You've got all the religious leaders. They have taken you, arrested you, crucified you. You have died on a cross of shame, tucked between two thieves hanging on a cross. They're putting you in a borrowed tomb. You're dead. How hopeless can that be? But the Spirit of God moved across our Lord Jesus Christ, and against all odds, he got up from the dead. And that means because he arose, there is hope for me. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, hey, I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. That's why the Bible says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble do it? No. Can hardship do it? No. Can being persecuted separate us? No. Famine, nakedness, danger, sword? No. Because in all these things, we are more. Everybody say more. Now, I'll settle for being a conqueror, but the Bible says you're not just a conqueror when you know him and walk with him and he's your savior. You're more than a conqueror. 
through him who loved you. Because no matter what the devil throws at you in this life, you're coming back. There is hope. God is in charge. He's got your future in his hands. And I think I feel like preaching a little bit right now. Come on, everybody. Say more than conquerors. So, so the tomb of Jesus said hope, 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 and it shouted hope. It's never over in your life till God has had his say. Amen? And then the empty tomb said something else to me. Through him, I can always get up again. Now listen carefully to me. Some of you are sitting here today, and you've had some tough stuff happen to your life. You've been knocked down, maybe even feel like you've been knocked out. Somebody has walked out on you. You've lost a job. There's been a report from the doctor. You're struggling. You're wondering, what in the world am I going to do? How am I ever going to get through this? Listen carefully to me now. I'm talking to you straight up about what, I, what I've heard in that tomb, that through him, I can, you can, we can, all his children can get up again. You can get up again after a failure. After a defeat, a bitter defeat or failure, a setback, an attack, some great loss, a betrayal, whatever knocks you down and threatens to knock you out, because he rose, you can get up again. Because the same power that got him up lives in you. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So it may look like the devil is standing over you, giving you the count, and he's right to about the number eight. But I'm going to tell you something. If Jesus Christ is living in you, he will never have the final victory. The Lord will checkmate him every time, and you will get up again because he lives. We will get up again. You are never down for good. You will get up again. That's what the resurrection says. Amen. I look at some of you, you've been through all kinds of things. And there was a time in your life where you thought, I'm done with church, done with prayer, done with the Bible, done with the Christianity. I have so failed God, so messed up. But now here you are today in church, praising God, reading the Bible, praying. What are you doing here? You were supposed to be down for good. I'll tell you what you're doing here. You're hooked up to a resurrected Savior, and he stands his children back on their feet every time. Come on. And finally, sitting there, I thought, wow, the empty tomb is the answer to an empty life. I'm going to say that again. The empty tomb is the solution to an empty life. Have you ever stopped to think about the empty is usually negative? When you say empty, Yesterday, I was traveling. I, I was, took part in a funeral of a dear friend who lost his wife. And I was driving. It was a long way. It was way on the other side of Dallas. And I'm kind of in the middle of nowhere, nothing but, the, you know, these long stretches of highway. And all of a sudden, bing, went this noise in my car. And I looked down. It said, fuel low. So I hit some buttons to see how much I had left. And oh, it was, a, it was a matter of faith whether or not I was going to get there. Have, have you ever had to believe God to multiply gasoline? 
Have you? Have you ever had to believe God for that? Because I was going, oh, Lord, you know that I've got to speak. You know they're expecting me there. You know I've got to go. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, help me. And I just drove. And I'm watching that thing get right down where there was no little marks left. It was empty. And I didn't like empty. I made it. You know how many miles I had left when I got there? Ten. So he got me there with ten left over. But isn't negative usually empty? Empty wallet. Empty bank account. We don't like that, do we? How about an empty marriage? Like I said, empty gas tank. Empty pantry. Empty refrigerator. We don't like empty. Empty is almost always a negative. But the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ, the empty tomb of Jesus, is the one time in life where empty is not a negative. Empty is a positive. Empty is a positive Empty equals full because, you see, he emptied himself so we could be full. He emptied the tomb so we could be saved. He emptied all that he had. He gave up heaven. He divested himself of everything he had in glory and came to earth and humbled himself all the way to the cross, emptied himself so that we could be made full. Amen. Without the empty tomb, I believe this with all of my heart, you will have an emptiness in your life. There will be an emptiness. Because the empty tomb is what God gave us to fill us with the life of Jesus, the love of God, the peace with God. That empty tomb is what fills us up and gives meaning to our life. The empty tomb. It gives purpose. It gives power. You understand why you're on earth. But until you know him, listen, you can make lots of money. You can be very successful according to this world. You can have a great big house, beautiful car, great family, great reputation, all kinds of friends, great retirement. But there's something I I contend that will haunt you. There is an emptiness. There is an indefinable something on the inside of you that will register empty until you come to Jesus And allow him to fill the emptiness of your life. If you never accept the Christ of the empty tomb, there there is emptiness in your heart. I was so empty before I got saved. So very empty. And, you know, we try to fill it with drinking. We try to fill it with drugs. We try to take care of that gnawing emptiness in so many ways. We look for ways to fill that void. We, we go to endless relationships. Maybe this one will work. Maybe that one will work. Maybe this person is what I've been looking for. Maybe that person is what I've been looking for. Maybe this habit or this, this hobby or this whatever will take care of the emptiness in my life. But you get it and you're still empty. And I know it's true because I watched the movie stars. Millions, quadrillions of dollars, fame, fortune. And yet all the time their marriages implode. They kill themselves with drugs and alcohol and all kinds of wicked living. And you look at that and you go, why would they do that with all that they have? Because there is a place in you. There is a place in you that only God can fill. Nothing else will fill it. There's a God-shaped hole in every soul. A philosopher long ago wrote, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. When you finally let Jesus Not just, uh, yeah, I believe in him, but 
come into your life and be Lord over your life and, and you live according to his teachings and you're seeking him and you get up in the morning and you spend time with him, that emptiness is filled with his peace, his joy, his purpose. Amen? Amen. Can we stand together today? How many of you are glad for the empty tomb? Come on. Amen? Amen. But I want us to bow for a moment of prayer. Because, you know, there may be just one person here today. I don't know. I don't know a lot of you that are here. There's many visitors. But I want to ask you a question. Is the emptiness in your life, first of all, is it there? And have you ever genuinely asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart? Have you ever genuinely said, Jesus, forgive me? You know, I did that when I was in a juvenile home as a 16-year-old boy, and I had not been raised in Christianity. I knew nothing about Jesus. But when I prayed that night, when a minister came in to share the gospel, this, this wreck that was my life for the first time in my life, God's love, God's peace, God's joy, God's presence. Just this sense of of the emptiness being filled happened to me. And that's why I'm up here now. What about you? Where are you in life? What, What are you doing with your life? Where are you headed? What path are you on? Who are you running with? Who are you hanging with? Is your life showing evidence of God working in your life? Or is it another story? But you'd like to see change. Listen, nobody can change you like Jesus. Nobody, nobody, nobody can change you like Jesus can. So with our heads bowed, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And it's a prayer of salvation. It's a prayer of coming to him. And if if you can say, you know, Jeff, wow, I don't think that I have what you talked about today. The Lord is knocking on the door of your heart right now. And he's saying, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man hears my voice, any woman hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him, fellowship with him, relate with him, and he with me. So before we move on to the end of the service, I want to pray with people who may need Jesus. So with our heads bowed, I want you just to pray this with me. Just say, just go ahead and do it. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. You can do it right where you stand. Just pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead to save me from sin and its consequences. Lord, forgive me the sin in my life the ways I've offended God and come into my heart. I open the door of my heart to you right now in the name of Jesus.